Welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Adam Patterson. We are joined today by Dr. Ziad Al-Ali, who is the Director of the Veterans Affairs Clinical Epidemiology Center for a discussion of the newly launched VA Long COVID Research Initiative. COVID-19, being a virus that manifests an array of complicated symptoms ranging from respiratory to cognitive, also tends to leave lingering complications for many patients even after the initial infection. Dr. Alali is leading a broader research initiative to better understand these symptoms, how they manifest, and how they can be better treated in those who continue to bear them. Dr. Alali, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Definitely. It's, it's great to have you here. Great to talk about what is clearly a very momentous research project and a vital one at that. Um, but before we get down to the questions about your research and VA's research in particular, I want to ask a bit about you and your background. And as some background for our audience, uh, can you tell us a bit about your career and your research interests and what brought you to your current role at VA? Sure. Well, I'm a nephrologist by training. I came to the VA to do initially nephrology, clinical nephrology, and then sort of developed this interest in research and then subsequently in administration and became the chief of research and development here at, at the St. Louis VA healthcare system. Uh, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, my research program was primarily centered around pharmacoepidemiology, that is studying how drugs work in people and, and uh, you know, the efficacy and adverse events of, of uh, medications. And when the pandemic hit, you know, we assembled as a group, uh, it was at that time on virtually, and we deliberated extensively, how do we do, or what, what do we do, what's in our, in our power to do to really ha help address issues related to the pandemic? And, and, uh, and the answer was unanimous, was 100% was from across the board from my research team. Everyone is like, you know, we, we do what we do best. We identify questions that are important to our veterans, and we address them using our data. We solve them using, using our data. That sort of launched us on this you know, journey to study COVID-19 and then subsequently you know, launching a pipeline of research on long COVID. Definitely, yeah, and it sounds like VA has already accomplished a pretty considerable and fertile breadth of research on the illness, uh, and one that emerged again pretty spontaneously. You know, This is not a, a longstanding and known condition like say diabetes, for example. And, and to get to that, I have questions about the nature of COVID-19. You know, COVID-19 is clearly a very complicated illness with a host of disparate symptoms, you know, cognitive symptoms, respiratory, cardiovascular ones. People talk about everything experiencing, you know, in colloquial terms, experiencing brain fog from COVID to the obviously, you know, dangerous and potentially fatal respiratory complications as well. What tends to cause this sheer range of symptoms from a single virus? Sure. So uh, our understanding of COVID or SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 is, is evolving. You know, actually, we've learned quite a bit over the past couple of years. What we've learned about it, that it's really not only a respiratory virus. Initially, in the ver very you know, early phase of the pandemic, we, we called it a respiratory virus. But it became increasingly clear over the months that, that ensued that, that it can really attack other organ systems. It can leave people with heart problems, can leave people with you know, all sorts of problems. Problems, you know, brain issues, you know, strokes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Really, a lot of manifestations outside the the lungs, and and so so now we we really don't consider it in the, in the medical community as solely a respiratory virus. It can result in, in certainly it can start, you know, as a as a respiratory condition, uh, but but it can certainly, you know, um, you know, become or evolve to be much much more than that, involving really a broad array of organ systems. 
Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's clear the, the research and the understanding has become more sophisticated and more expansive um, regarding the nature of COVID and its pathology. And piggybacking off that, I'm curious, you know, in terms of long COVID, what are some of the most common symptoms of long COVID or I guess enduring COVID symptoms? And how do these relate to symptoms from the initial infection? Sure. So really the cardinal manifestations of long COVID are really the most unique symptoms are, are, are you know, fatigue and brain fog. You know, people sort of, uh, you know, and, and, and you've seen, if you've seen one patient with long COVID, you've seen literally one patient with long COVID. Different patients manifest very, very differently. You know, some people have an acute disease where they, you know, feel sick and tired and they never really recover from it. And some people have actually nearly, you know, mild or, or nearly asymptomatic, and in some cases, asymptomatic disease initially, and subsequently in the, you know, few weeks that 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 um, uh, follows, uh, or the few the few months that follow, they, they start experiencing, you know, new onset shortness of breath or new onset fatigue or, or brain fog. Um, and, and while, you know, brain fog and fatigue, you know, those are sort of a, you know, cardinal manifestations, or you can think of them as, you know, signature manifestations of long COVID, long COVID is much, much more than that. It can literally affect every organ system. It can lead to diabetes, it can lead to heart disease, it can lead to kidney disease, it can lead to strokes and, and brain problems, and can really, you know, lead to organ manifestations or organ problem or problems in nearly every organ system. That's fascinating and clearly quite concerning from a, a medical research perspective, especially when you think about long-term treatment. And I kind of want to ask a follow-up about that. And I'm curious in when you see, for example, diabetes, heart conditions emerging in long COVID patients, do those tend to emerge most commonly in patients that might have had a potential likelier predisposition to those illnesses, or do they oftentimes occur or, or are capable of occurring in otherwise what we would call, I guess, not necessarily healthy young people, quote unquote, but people who might be less disposed to diabetes, for example? This is an absolutely fascinating question. So, so it, it both can happen. And, and we, we went into it, we went into this research, you know, thinking that we're going to find diabetes and heart disease problems in people who are, you know, already maybe had some obesity or some risk factors or had high blood pressure or had kidney disease or maybe had pre-existing high cholesterol. So we thought we we're going to, you know, find that these people are going to be the people who are really manifesting with new onset heart disease or new onset diabetes. What we found is that this is really happening. It's happening in people who had risk factors. It's definitely happening in people who had obesity, had high blood pressure, had kidney disease, and high, high cholesterol. But it's also happening in people who had never had any of these risk factors at all. And young, healthy, you know, athletic, you know, thin, did not have obesity, did not have high blood pressure, did not have cholesterol, did not have any kidney disease or any prior problem with sugar or anything, anything related to any of those manifestations at all. Even in those people, when they got COVID-19, some of them, again, this is not everybody, so we don't want to you know, scare people when I you know, put it in perspective. You know, some of them, you know, went on to develop new onset heart disease and or new onset diabetes when they didn't have any of these risk factors prior to encountering COVID-19. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and also, you know, clearly uh, concerning, but it's, it's, I think, obviously useful to understand that and have, you know, figured that out from a, a medical and research perspective. And to get to the subject of VA's research on long COVID, it's clear that there had been a lot of understanding analysis research that had gone on across VA um, prior to launching this larger initiative. And I'm wondering what kind of research has VA already compiled 
on long COVID over the course of the pandemic. How substantial is your pre-existing knowledge base at this point? So I feel VA has been a leader in this space and has contributed a lot from really the onset of the pandemic until now. And really, we have a, you know, quite a bit of sort of promising studies in the pipeline. But so far, the VA has sort of enriched the, you know, the, the, the nation's knowledge about multiple aspects of long COVID. Initially, sort of like really the broad systematic characterization of what long COVID is, you know, basically saying um, that long COVID can affect nearly every organ system. And subsequently, you know, there was a study from the VA, you know, highlighting the um, risk of kidney disease, of new onset kidney disease in people who had COVID-19. That's really one of the facets, one of the you know, dimensions or, or the facets of the multifaceted long COVID. And as we alluded to, you know, there was work from the VA, from our group, actually, that, that you know, highlighted or you know, suggested increased risk of heart disease as a result of, of infection with SARS-CoV-2 in the post-acute phase of COVID-19. That is also long COVID. And, and that, heart, that heart disease is not only you know, heart attacks or arrhythmias, but some of it could be also strokes and, 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 and other manifestations in the cardiovascular system. So really broadly defined, you know, COVID could lead to increased risk of cardiovascular manifestation or cardiovascular sequela or, or cardiovascular consequences. There's also increased risk of diabetes that, that came out of the VA. Um, so you know, really co collectively, this is sort of a, you know emerging you know, body of evidence that has helped not only advance our understanding of long COVID within the VA system and help address you know, these issues among veterans, but also informing the nation. You know, actually, a lot of other health systems outside the VA are looking to the VA for guidance and, and help and, and sort of understanding what, what through all the long-term ramifications or long-term consequences of SARS-CoV-2 infection and, 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 and addressing those challenges with their patient populations. That's really interesting. It sounds like it falls within VA's longstanding role as a very serious hub of medical research, one that has advanced the understanding of medical care, obviously not just within VA, but one that has been shared nationwide and helped increase the sophistication and efficacy of, of medical treatment across the country. And I want to ask a question that's somewhat adjacent to that. And I'm wondering uh, what departments both within VA and outside the agency as well are contributing to this study? What organizations, um, again, both external to VA, but also what departments within VA are really among the most momentous actors in bringing this all together? Sure. So I would characterize it as an all-hands-on-deck approach. So within the VA, I mean, as you know, so the, you know the, the, the Office of Research and Development within the VA has multiple different, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, sort of, a, you know, divisions. And, and uh, so the VA sort of developed something called, the we, we call that CORC, or the Collaboratory for, for um, COVID Research. And that really has now actually been launched and, and ongoing and, and really is going to, you know, contribute, I think, you know, to, to enhancing our understanding of long-term outcomes in people's COVID-19. The VACSP program or the cooperative studies program actually really also, you know, sort of a, um, you know, stepped up to the plate and developed what they call the epidemiology, immunology, and clinical characteristics of COVID-19, EPIC-3. It's a, you know, study. It's a longitudinal study to really, uh, for people who are newly diagnosed with COVID-19, to really sort of uh, you know evaluate their long-term outcomes, the MVP of the Million Veteran Program has actually been doing really uh, also uh, quite a bit of studies on on uh, uh, COVID-19, trying to understand the genetic determinants, whether things in the genes could 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 determine susceptibility of people to long COVID and and its uh, and its downstream ramifications. Uh, there's really a lot of sort of uh, you know studies at the at the VA, and then I'd like to emphasize that you know uh, you know the, the VA is also you know 
establish and in, in, the, in the process of establishing even more partnership with several federal agencies, including NIH, CDC, FDA, and other agencies to, to across the federal government sort of uh, you know, unite and, 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 and work together to really solve the problem of long COVID. It's, it's really not a, not a simple problem and it really requires collaboration across different branches of government to help understand what, what's going on with patients with long COVID. And hopefully, hopefully steer it in a direction where we discover therapeutics to help people with long COVID. Because what, what veterans with long COVID tell me, what people with long COVID tell me all the time, we are hurting and we want treatment and, and, and they want treatment yesterday. So I think that you know, the, 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 the wonderful and the great thing about the VA is that we're orienting all our approach, it's an all hands on deck situation, orienting all our effort to try to understand long COVID, not only for the sake of understanding it only, but really for the sake of trying to figure out how do we best treat it? How do we best manage it and treat it to really help people with long COVID? That's really impressive, and that is a Im impressive extent of collaboration as well. Great to see folks from CDC and N NIH getting here, and also uh, folks from the MVP from the Million Veterans Program as well is great. We were fortunate enough to interview um, a couple of folks affiliated with the MVP, and the hearing about the genetic research and the genomic work they're doing was fascinating. And it sounds like, again, a really impactful and important bit of expertise to be adding there in terms of determining long COVID risk factors and, and the like as a result of genetic preconditions. So that's very cool to see. And I want to ask a similar question about the technical supports that are going into making this enterprise happen, because VA has clearly invested a lot in health IT, a lot in creating the kind of technical underpinnings that would be used to facilitate this kind of expansive and, and data intensive, I'd imagine, medical research. And I'm wondering what IT capacities are being used to support the effort, particularly being those being used or applied towards aggregating and analyzing healthcare information. So thank you for this. This is really a very important point. Um, I think what really distinguishes the VA from, from other sort of research enterprises in the nation is that the VA long time ago had really the wisdom and the amazing sort of the, really the, the ability to, to you know, develop and deploy a, an electronic health record system well before anyone else, uh, you know, 25 years ago, actually. You know, uh, so the, the, the VA developed that like, very robust electronic health record system. And as a result, of that, you know, the, the VA retains information, medical information on veterans who interact with the, with the system. And over the years, you know, the VA also kept up with the, with the you know, the changes in technology and invested in making sure its, its electronic health system is, is robust and up to date. And, 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 and that really came to the, you know, uh, you know came, became an enormously handy in, in, in the context of the pandemic when, when um, you know, the pandemic hit and, and people were struggling, like, how do we understand long COVID? Do we have longitudinal data on people before the pandemic hit? And now after the pandemic hit, to be able to evaluate, to understand what happened to people after with the SARS-CoV-2 infection. And here comes the VA. We're ready. We're poised and ready. We had the data systems in place. We had the people in place. We had the technology in place, leverage all these resources, and, and really contributed not only to enhancing our understanding of COVID within the context of the VA, but really helping the nation deal with COVID and long COVID. And I think that's sort of really, it's really remarkable how the, how, how veterans when, you know, in, in active service, they contribute to the nation, but also their data and themselves, like, you know, even in their veterans year, even, even after leaving active service, you know, sort of a, you know, the, the data contributes to not only helping other veterans and helping the VA system deals with this national um, challenge, but, but also helping the nation and understand and better understand 
understand long COVID. And, and arguably, uh, I, I may be biased here, but arguably, actually, a lot of the data that came out on long COVID came out from the VA. And that's not a one study or two studies. That's actually really a body of knowledge that, that sort of a, really a, you know, helped us understand what this condition is. And, and so I, I consider the VA as a leader in, in this space, and precisely because you know, we had the capabilities and, and, we, and, you know, you know, and, and, and you could say the wisdom to sort of know how to leverage it in a time of crisis um, and, and respond to the challenge of long COVID. Definitely. And it sounds like VA very much had that combination, that essential and vital combination of pre-existing medical research programs and networks. And as you'd mentioned, the investment in IT resources necessary to empower those that made you very well equipped to engage in this kind of really impactful uh, and forward-looking long COVID research. And that brings me to my next question. And I'm wondering, how does VA see the information gained from the study um, being used in COVID care and patient recovery going forward? This is a wonderful question. You know, first and foremost is really validating veterans' experiences. Veterans show up in clinics, say, you know, I got COVID-19, you know, several weeks ago, maybe two, three, four months ago, and I'm still weak and tired. I have all of this. I think now we have we are armed with data that 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 you know to, to, to validate their lived experiences, to say, like, okay, I hear you, I see you, I understand you, you know, and, and you're not alone. You're not, you're not the only veteran complaining of this problem. We actually have data now on you know X number of, of veterans who really had the same problem. And 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 there is some comfort in that like I see it in the eyes of veterans when I tell them this that that's sort of really that 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 uh, that you're not alone and you're not you're not the only person who's really suffering from this that that you know um, you know this virus affected some of us affected some people and 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 uh, and uh, you're not alone and and the second really is uh, what you know how, how is this data you really useful in informing you know, delivery of care, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's been now used within the context of the VA to stand up, you know, uh, post-COVID clinics, or, or um, in, in some cases, we call them long-COVID clinics. And those are really enormously important to, to help veterans, to connect veterans with the care that they really need, you know, to navigate the post-COVID um, condition uh, more broadly or, or, or long-COVID. And, and three is really, I mean, as, as, I, as I, you know, indicated, I think what's really most important here, really, Research not for its own sake, research not to really sort of a, just trying to figure out what long COVID is for its own sake, but really to figure out how can we develop treatments to really help these patients with long COVID. And I think as our understanding evolves, you know, certainly, certainly our, our you know, ability to A, recognize it, you know, B, validate the patient experiences, the veteran experiences, and then C, sort of develop models of care, like the, the post-COVID or long COVID clinics throughout the VA right now, is really, really another exemplar, another shining example of how the VA really excelled in, 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 in dealing or meeting the challenge of long COVID. And, and three, and, and or, or last, and most importantly, is really orienting all this research to discover treatment as soon as possible. Definitely, and it sounds immensely promising. And I want to bring us to a final question about where you're going with this from here and, and the implications going forward. And I'm curious, since VA has long clearly been a source of considerable medical research and advancements in terms of our understanding of a variety of diseases, both obscure and common, I'm wondering, how does VA plan to share the study's findings with uh, both academic institutions and private healthcare networks uh, once the study has wrapped up? Sure. So, so we, we are in constant communication with all relevant stakeholders. First and foremost, like we don't keep things to ourselves. Whenever we have a finding that's really important, 
important. And as I said, like most of the findings that we have are not only important for veterans, but for the nation, we share them immediately. Generally, we publish these things in, 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 in journals that are accessible to all. Uh, we we are I mean as as I said we we are in coordination with with uh, several uh, federal agencies including the FDA CDC NIH and we're in constant exchange of information with all these relevant stakeholders. We do disseminate our our you know findings also via conferences with and meetings etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So there are multiple avenues of of uh, you know communications to to you know engage stakeholders within the government you know whether it's FDA CDC NIH within the United States government and outside the United States government with academia, industry partners, you know, uh, public institutions, public health officials to really inform them about our finding. And it's really a dialogue. It's been enormously rewarding to see the public's interest, the general public interest in, in you know, VA findings and VA research. And we're definitely committed to 100% transparency. We, we pretty much publish everything that we that we find you know if it's a side finding we we certainly put it out there to really not only help veterans but really help the nation uh, deal with this enormous challenge absolutely and it sounds like a lot of really great work is going to come out of this that's going to be pretty substantial in advancing the the care of long covid and in providing relief and treatment and support for patients who are are really suffering and really dealing with these really complicated difficult um, multivariable um, symptoms. And uh, again, before we wrap up, Dr. Alali, I want to thank you so much for your time. And is there any anything you want to leave our listeners with or anything you really want them to know about the work you're helping oversee at VA right now? Yeah, so if, if listeners are having, you know, themselves having long COVID or have, have family members with long COVID, I think the, the, the first thing, like, know that you're not alone. You are not alone. If you're dealing with, you know, sleep problems, you cannot sleep after having had COVID, that could be part of long COVID. If you're dealing with fatigue or weakness, new muscle pain, you know, brain fog, if you can't remember where you put your car keys, you can't really, you know, put, you know, sort of you have a, this sort of, you know, you know, what people refer to as brain fog. You know, know that you're not alone. That's number one. Two, definitely seek help. You know, get to your closest VA. We're here to help. Or, or if you're not a veteran and you cannot get care at the VA, definitely talk to your provider as soon as possible. These things are better addressed when they're addressed early on in the disease course. So don't really, you know, suffer or, or, or sit alone and try to manage it on your own at home. Definitely seek help. And third, know that we are working day and night within the VA and also outside the VA to try to get to treatment as soon as possible. So that's our commitment to, to, to everyone suffering from long COVID. That we're working very, very, very hard to try to do our best to get to, to, get to treatment. And, and uh, so, so those are the three messages to the people listening. Definitely. And it sounds, again, immensely promising. And I really appreciate all the work you're putting in. And I'm sure, you know, veterans across the country and, and people across America who are dealing with this are, are going to be immensely um, appreciated and positively impacted by the, the work that is going to come out of this. Um, anyway, again, Dr. Alali, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on to the program. This has been a treat. Well, thank you for having me. You're really delighted to, to have talked to you. And, and thank you for your interest in this again. And, and uh, um, uh, th th thanks to the audience for listening to this as well. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.